Brand New Magazine and Podcast exist to inspire, motivate and invigorate women to step into their businesses as truly themselves. Full of real life stories, practical solutions and inspirational ideas from fellow entrepreneurs. Each issue has a different theme that showcases the many values, beliefs and morals that women build their businesses around today. So, be your business and brand you. With everything that has happened this year, 2020 could have easily been a year of disconnect and hatred. Instead, I have seen communities coming together and rediscovering their common humanity through connection and inclusivity. Each woman in this issue was chosen because they embody these beliefs, heart and soul, both personally and professionally. Welcome to issue one of Brand New Magazine and Podcast, The Together Issue. In this episode, you'll meet Rhodesia, a designer, web developer, and creator of Inclusion Revolution course. She's a fat, black, queer woman with mental illness. Society or individual people have tried to erase one or all of her identities at some point. She fights back by being unapologetically herself. So in five words, what values, beliefs, and traits do you embody within your business? Definitely equality. I'm really big on people being treated fairly and everyone getting equal chance and being treated well, no matter what. Creativity, that's kind of obvious <laughs> as a designer. Creativity, obviously. Uness, if that makes sense. It's like bringing out that you out of everything. Um, I think that's such a big problem some people have because I feel like some people want to have all the same stories and all the same messaging, but it's really important to be your true self and that should be enough. You don't need to add any extras. That's not you or not authentic to who you are. It's three. <laughs> color, definitely color. I love bright colors. It's a little obnoxious. <laughs> my like wallpaper and my computer is like a little crazy. It's like rainbow swirls, literally. Uh, I just love color. Your, your website makes me so happy every time <laughs> I get on there. I was a rainbow bright and care bear girl and everything I drew always had a rainbow in it and I jump onto your site and it just so makes me so happy. Yes, I love the colors. I know it's a lot for some people, but like I'm not for some, everyone, you know? I just have to realize that. So this is the line that Rhodesia emailed me back when I asked her to tell me a little bit about herself and I'm not kidding you, I got goosebumps when I read this. It just felt so raw and authentic that it I hadn't even met you at this point and I felt like I knew you. So you wrote, wrote to me, I'm a fat, black and queer woman with mental illness. Society or individual people have tried to erase one or all of my identities at some point. I fight back by being unapologetically me. Now, to me, that's a really powerful statement, especially because I may not connect to all of what you wrote there, but there's so many parts of it that I feel like I've done the same thing in my own journey. I've felt like I had to hide who I was. For you, can you tell us a little bit about a pivotal point that you went, you know what, stuff this, I'm just going to be me. I think it was probably like, you know, Tumblr, the website that was really popular like 10 years ago. <laughs> I was on there constantly. And seeing fat women who are unapologetic about their bodies and loving themselves and having relationships and falling in love and being successful was such a pivotal moment for me because I think of all the things, my identities, my 
being fat has always been something that was seen as negative by the world. And being able to fight back against that and saying, no, I'm not going to shrink myself so that I can be small enough for you was not going to happen. So I just kind of decided I'm going to be done feeling bad about myself. This is one life to live. I'm going to live it the way I want to do it. And this is what I'm going to do. I used to say, I'm going to go travel when I'm this, when I'm that. I'm going to start a relationship when I'm this. I'm going to feel happy when I do this. But like all that is just BS. Like it's so frustrating to think that I was waiting to live my life because of that. I 100% feel you on that. So I actually was at the other end of the spectrum where I had people doctors calling me into offices when I was in high school asking if I had an eating disorder. And my mum was like, there is no way she does. But over time, I'm not kidding you, from that, so much of who I was was tied up into my size that I felt like my worthiness and my value to the world was judged by the number that only I saw on a set of scales. Right now, I'm at the heaviest I've ever been, not pregnant. And for once in my life, I don't give a crap. I love my life. I love my body. And damn it, I've got boobs now and I'm going to love those too because it's such a waste of time not being you. Yes, waste. Such a waste. Like, it's such a waste, wasting your time trying to be someone else and make other people happy when ultimately you're not making yourself happy. It's a waste. Being happy is basically what all of this comes down to, that whether you've got a career that you love, you've got a, a partner, a family, you've got friends, you've got a life, it basically comes down to being happy. So for me, that meant self-acceptance. And you've already pointed out that point, but it's also still can be really hard to have that societal pressure to be a certain way. And what's some of the struggles that you've felt, be it in your career or personally, of society trying to push you into a box? Yeah, it's funny enough, I'm a pretty introverted person, which might not come across and like everything else, but I'm very introverted. And when I used to work in corporate offices, I feel like it was such a push to be so extroverted and very talkative. And it just was not who I am. I'm very observant. I like to watch and learn before I start saying stuff. I don't just talk to talk ever. <laughs> I like to think about things before I talk. I like to like make sure I'm not saying the wrong thing for one, but like just make sure I'm thinking about things before. But I feel like in corporate offices, they want you to be so extroverted and outspoken all the time. That's just not who I am. And I try to be it, that, but I just wasn't, it wasn't for me at all. And I feel like so much of working in a corporate office can really do that to you. I mean, I was on the other end of the spectrum again, where I have always been quite extroverted and because I was also quite opinionated and I had, um, you know, a really creative strategic brain that couldn't resist adding to conversations, I felt like I was constantly in annoyance. And instead of my meanness being celebrated, it kind of ended up being looked down on as a weakness rather than a positive. That's tough. Yeah, I feel like that's surprising to me. At least I, because of, I'm an introverted person, I feel like I'd rather have been like that because then I would have worked out better with my coworkers or my boss. You know, I wanted me to talk up during meetings and I'm like, I don't have anything to say. I need to think about this. <laughs> like, I feel like it would have been beneficial for me to be more outspoken and have my opinions and share them. I feel like being introverted, people wouldn't expect me to have opinions. And when I do, they're like, oh, he said something. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always a surprise. Yeah. 
it's perspective really you know you get so tied up in your internal world so much sometimes and be this an extra extroverted person or an introverted person it it's really easy to get tied up internally with your own layers of preconceived notions but once you start to sort of take that step back and actually see them as strengths rather than weaknesses it can be pretty powerful and i think that as entrepreneurs that's something that we we have to do a lot more than other people yes Yes, because you are in charge of every single aspect of your business. There's not like sales department over there who takes care of that or like marketing over there who takes care of this. It's like you are all of it and you need to fill those roles and all of it. Now, as you know, this episode is called the Together episode with a, a big focus on connection and inclusivity. You embody this heart and soul. It runs through your copy. It runs through everything you put out into the world. So what would you say is the first step in creating a more inclusive business? I think the first step is thinking about what it feels like to be in someone else's shoes. So you could pick anything, a different race, a different body ability, a different like physical impairment or a different like income bracket, anything you can think of. And just try to think about what it might feel like to hear or see certain things that you see in the media or in social on social or like that you read and just try to figure out how would this person feel they heard that. I think that's the first step is to realize or maybe look for one of the things that you might have that might put you into a marginalized group and use that as a catalyst to understand why it might feel exclusionary to someone else. Because otherwise I think it's hard to understand if you don't have if you don't have experience feeling like that. And I think that's very true. So I've always seen myself as very much a an inclusive person. I see people. But I've realized from a lot of what's happened that has come about from the Black Lives Matters conversations that even that is a kind of exclusion. Yes, yeah. And for a person from my point of view that I hate the thought that I'm excluding people. I hate the thought that I'm, I'm not listening enough or I'm not understanding enough. What piece of advice would you give people if they want to try and understand more where someone's coming from? What advice would you give them? I would tell them that not to see, like, people are people, but everyone's different. And that's kind of what's beautiful about it. The fact that we all are different and we can celebrate each other's differences, but also know that we're all just still people. I think that's the most important thing. Now, when you speak about differences and that statement that you made to me in that email, it, it highlighted a lot of differences. What are some of the struggles that you've personally had to step, to educate people about your differences? Yeah, um, so I am very straight passing, I guess you could call it. <laughs> I pass as a straight person and I'm queer. And what happens a lot when I start a job, I have to be very explicit, or when I used to work nine to fives, I had to be explicit that I am gay, I'm queer, and I have a wife. Or I say partner, but I have to say wife because people aren't getting it. Either they think I'm, I'm talking about a business partner, which is also hilarious. <laughs> Or they think I'm talking about a man that I've just been with a long time. But it's my wife. So I have to say that. Otherwise, people get confused. And I think that's important. I have to educate them. Like, yes, a lesbian or a queer person or a gay person can look any way. There's not a look to being queer or gay or lesbian, whatever you want to label themselves. There's not a look to it. They can meet anyone. And people need to realize that. And it's just a part of who you are. Yes. You know, it, it doesn't change the view that they need to see you with, it, it literally is just 
it basically is like telling a little bit more of the story. Yes, exactly. So another part of my life that I happen to be queer and that means I have a wife and that's all it is. It's not like it defines who I am, but also it is a part of me. And it comes down to that. It comes down to even just telling people things or encouraging them to ask questions. For me, I am inherently known, and funnily enough, now I have a podcast, I'm inherently known for sometimes asking too many questions because I am an information whore. I love to find out new things. I, I thrive on it. I, I love making those connections with people where I really, truly feel like I'm understanding them more. And why is, to you you know, you've had this experience in both a corporate space and you probably had to have a lot of these conversations as your own business owner as well. Yes. Yeah. Why is it important to help businesses to start thinking about being more inclusive? Like what's the big picture here? So for me, the big picture is not realizing how big of an influence that businesses have in shaping how society sees certain people in marginalized groups. It's a huge, huge responsibility that I think people don't realize. If you put a commercial out, if you put an ad out, if you're writing language for your mission or your vision and values, those all these things have impact on how people might see black people or veterans or people with mental illness. These all make a big difference. If you think about commercials with like home people without homes or stuff like that and using words like bum or hobo, those are all just reinforcing stereotypes about these communities and not helping them in any way, just stigmatizing them further. That responsibility they have, that business owners have to change the narrative is so powerful. And I think the pivotal word you used there was narrative, that once we start to hear these stories and start to redefine that stigma that we've placed on people, once we start to actually connect with it on a smaller level, it can grow into a bigger level, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Now, there are so many positives to having an inclusive business. What do you believe are the top three reasons why people should be pushing towards this? I think because it's the right thing to do, but that's just the point. Some people need to be motivated by numbers, like 64% of millennial buyers will be more like, be more likely to buy something after they see, they see a, a diverse business. Um, they see a diversity or inclusivity in an ad. They'll be 64% more likely to buy, which I think is like, why not? Would you not do that for your business? And then also just knowing that you can attract people with the same values as you. If you care a lot about like Black Lives Matter movements and stuff like that, you should be posting it on your business profiles. Otherwise, people aren't going to know that that's what you support and you're going to get clients that like are against it and might be saying all lives matter, which is just, ugh. <laughs> like you don't want that. I don't want it. So I just post whatever I feel on social media so people know exactly what I stand for. Because otherwise you'll get people who could be the opposite and then you'll have to turn projects down or have awkward conversations with clients and that's not a good time for anyone. That also comes into a big topic around niching and it really, you know, people talk about niching about being this thing where you, you know, really dig down into what you're offering that's different and that stands out. But I think people a lot of the time forget that this can also align with your values and your belief systems. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like 
I think my niche is more about my values and my beliefs than anything else. Like I work with women, but it's a very specific subset of women. Uh, women who are intersectional feminists, who believe that everyone should be equal, who want to stand up for all women in all walks of life and not just white women who are straight or thin or anything else like that. Like all women, everyone. Yeah. And it's so very true. You know, I, when I started out my business, I wanted to please everyone, but I realized by doing that, I was, again, I was having to section myself off into these sections. And once I got to know people and once people got to know me and those walls started to come down, you know, they realized that it it might not be anything as extreme as, you know, the color of my skin or, you know, any of those sorts of things. But the realization is, is you actually start to make that connection as people. You start to share your stories. And I feel like stories is a mm-hmm. big focus here as well. Like it's those conversations that people just aren't having. Yeah, absolutely. Like people, like with my clients, sometimes will get on the phone for a consultation and then we're talking for way too long, which is a good thing to be wrong, I guess. But it's knows it's when now that we're connecting and we're talking about things that are bothering us in the world or things that we wish could be different or how we're working on trying to change things and it just as a better a better vibe between talking about things that are sometimes tough to talk about because you don't know what the other person feels or how they feel but it's kind of easy because I know if they're they want to work with me they obviously realize that what I'm about and I feel like it's really important to put that out there like you said so that people know And so you do attract the right people and you do have Mm -hmm. the right stories. Talking about the fact that you're having these conversations with your clients, do you have a particular story about a client that has sort of done that 180, that has done that really started off at ground zero and supercharged their businesses through your focus on inclusivity or your focus on telling that story to be really authentic in their businesses? to think yes i have one she's a um homeopathic like beauty and skincare um line she creates all these in her house by like growing in her farm and then she makes all the oils and tinctures from all the stuff in her farm and then turns it into beauty and skin products which is to me in boston so she has like a plot somewhere which is not in her backyard <laughs> we have like um community gardens here so she has to go to a separate part of town to get to her garden and she grows all these vegetables and plants and makes stuff out of it takes it back to her house to make stuff out of it which I think is so much work but kind of realizing like her values how they're such an integral part of her business and I don't think she realized how big of a deal it was that she is in the middle of a city lugging like carrots to make carrots like tinctures um into skincare products to make carrot oil or something like she's not realizing how much work and dedication and like souls and and every single product she makes and like she has a very big um vision for like bringing natural uh remedies to the black and brown community in our city and like it's just such a nice like message to put out because i think it's such a selling point and she wasn't really realizing that at all (laughs) But I, we ended up working together to get her branding and a website done. And she was using Etsy before, but now she's on her own website, which is nice. And it's really like, it captures who she is, which is such, such a bright, bubbly person, but also very like green and like earthy and like just such a comforting presence. Yeah. And I feel like that level of awareness about so many businesses these days, I've got some that I'm working with where 
I try to always encourage people that yes, you've stepped into yourself as your business. It's kind of like a, a what now, you know, how can you push this out more? So, you know, I have people that, you know, they have charities that are very dear to their hearts personally, well, figure out a way to stand up for that professionally. Yes. Or, you know, you might have a story that, for instance, I worked in an indigenous organization here in Australia for six years. And I'm going to be really honest. I walked in there as a wide-eyed white girl with absolutely no clue, right? <laughs> but it was those wide eyes that I actually went out and I learned and I educated myself. And I, I have a few more indigenous clients and it's because there's a deeper level of understanding. You know, I, I start to dig that a little bit deeper. I understand the the no-go areas. I understand that side of things. Yes, of course. But it's because I'm passionate about it that I can I can put that next level up. Do you recommend to your businesses ways that they can start to use their businesses as a voice? Yes, I ask them a lot about. I have one client I'm just started, I just signed on actually. She has a business that helps out with advocating for older adults. So if you were your parent or your great your grandparent, like you could help them navigate some of the doctor's appointments. They would help you navigate some of the doctor's appointments, some of the medical language to make sure they're getting the right proper care for them. Some people as they age, they don't have as much people there to advocate for them, make sure they're getting proper care, proper medication, understanding what's going on with their health and stuff like that. She does all that with older adults, but then she also wants to be able to help the black community here in our city get better access to healthcare because some people won't make appointments because of insurance issues here. Here we have insurance issues where it stops you from getting access and she helps navigate that. And that's kind of like her her like foundation side or the philanthropic side. <laughs> that word gets me every time. Phil I always have to sound it out in individual syllables. It's Phil and throw pick. <laughs> Thank you. Philanthropic. Thank you. <laughs> Every time I say it. Anywho, she has a philanthropic side to her business where she is able to help people who are younger who might not have the funds to pay her for her services, but also help them get access to medical um, medical services. Make sure they keep taking care of their health and staying on top of it. She's using kind of like the side of her business where she's helping older adults to pay for this other side. And that, to me... Like, I'm actually getting goosebumps. Like, that's the kind of paying it forward that having this level of awareness of inclusivity and diversity and all of those ursity words. Yes. <laughs> like, by having that awareness and actually stopping and thinking about what can I do to make a difference? Yes. I think that's such a huge thing that you can do like when I'm I just launched a course and I decided to donate a percentage of all my sales to a foundation that helps black trans women in in the United States and like that's such a huge something I want to support so much because in the queer LGBTQ community like trans women have an average lifespan in the U.S. to like 34 years old which is like terrifying and anything I could do to improve that is amazing so like I keep telling everyone that because of that statistic is just like ugh, makes me it's heartbreaking to hear that. All of those people started as a small voice. They just found ways to amplify themselves. And in their heart of hearts it was because it was central to their belief system. It was central to who they were. In some ways it was an easy fight in that it was 
there's just no choice. I'm, this is my fight. Yes, exactly. Like to have that much passion about something is amazing. Now you did mention a few people, like I said, I've done some not so casual stalking and you mentioned some people that have really inspired you on your journey. And one in particular was mentioned on a post, a gorgeous post of your wedding. And you mentioned a couple of people that have really inspired you and that you wouldn't have been able to be there and be where you are today without them. So could you tell me a little bit about those people? Marsha P. Johnson and Stormy, like they both started the Stonewall Riots by throwing that first break was Marsha and punching a cop was Stormy. So like just starting that and fighting for what they believe in and being themselves and not letting cops or society erase them. It's the fact that these black women decided to, that enough was enough and they were done. Like the mothers of our gay culture, LGBTQ culture. Like enough was enough. We're not going to be like, kicked out and beaten. This is done. We're done. And that's kind of how we got our rights in the first place. Earlier you mentioned a course that you've launched called the Inclusion Revolution. Again, I looked through this page extensively and I got so many goosebumps. It was when I was looking through all your blog posts. And when I say all, you have like it was so hard to choose which one I wanted to showcase because I read all of them and I consumed all of them and they they all in some way shape or form opened me up a little bit to be more understanding to be more and that was just your blogs you've now got a whole course can you tell us a little bit about your course and how it came to be I was originally going to do a course about design (laughs) and somehow I ended up doing it about inclusivity and marketing and branding which I think kind of ties my two passions together. It makes more sense for me as far as like who I am and what I'm about. Unless we talk about both of the things that we're super passionate about. So my course is essentially going over from like implicit bias and figuring out your message and then going into how to make your business more inclusive and diverse, your content, your copy on your website, your copy on your social media accounts, and then what to do when things, you know, usually go self when you make a mistake and how to handle that. Because I think a lot of people don't handle the mistake part properly and they try to shrug off their responsibility for it and ends up not feeling like they even really care. And I think I'm excited for being able to teach people who are really excited about this and want to make a difference and be able to change the world in some way. So for those of us like me that sometimes talk too much and have a tendency to sometimes put my foot in it and offend people without actually meaning to, And that's the thing, like, for me, I always want to be able to understand where I've gone wrong so I can learn from it. For people that do put their foot in it, be it they use the wrong terminology or they say something that they never meant to be offensive, what advice would you give to them in that situation, be it in a workplace or sitting around chatting to friends? If you really didn't know that you did something wrong, I think asking, like, what did I say that was inappropriate is helpful so that you understand and then maybe asking what you should say instead. But I would probably Google it first because it's not their responsibility to educate you. It's not their responsibility. It's your responsibility to educate yourself. Because otherwise it's just like this person has to deal with this awkward moment that involved them and someone pulling out their marginalized um, identities. So finding out yourself, educating yourself, figuring out exactly what's wrong, making sure you're thinking about like why it's wrong and understand it before you apologize. Because if you're just going to give a fake empty apology just don't just don't do it (laughs) it's just not worth it and then apologize once you figure out why you're wrong apologize from like you really want to apologize 
and tell them like where you messed up and that you're not going to do it again and how you will what you will do to improve it's it's easy but a lot of people who are grown adults do not understand the concept now something that i've personally struggled with not necessarily understanding but knowing the the knowledge behind it and it's possibly because so much of it has been just come a second nature in today's society and that's cultural appropriation i have before tribe became a word that was like, you know, one of the buzzwords, I always called my girls my tribe because as a white girl from a middle-class society in New Zealand, I always craved a cultural connection. Somebody the other day on a social media post, I used the word tribe and someone said, you might need to watch how you use that word, especially as, you know, it's a space that you're wanting to promote that you have this level of acceptance that tribe can be taken the wrong way what would you say to people in that kind of space I realize we've always already talked about google but what things like I've, I've noticed that for instance when people use braids like braids has become a big one for a lot of people with regards to cultural appropriation so what would you say to people in that situation so I think it depends but for me like what kind of braids but it's the idea that for so long since colonization, people of color have been told that whatever they're doing as part of their culture is wrong, is savage, is dirty, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea of someone who is white trying to take, not trying to, but taking that and not thinking it about the idea that the historical background of it, that they were told for so long, generation after generation after generation, you can't do this, it's wrong, it's savage. All of a sudden people are doing it, the trends. And then I don't know if it happens there, but renaming things. Like someone called cornrows a popular way to wear braids as calling them boxer braids or something. And I was like, what? That's not what they're called. <laughs> Just like renaming them and somehow they're super fashionable or like nails, long acrylic nails for a long time was called ghetto on black women especially in the 90s and all of a sudden it's a, such a huge part of culture now everyone does it but it's not that idea that you could take something when it's not a white person it's different but when it's a person of color it's wrong bad all that stuff i think if someone calls you out on it i think thinking about what that means and what significant it might have significance it might have for someone's culture and googling it i mean that's what i usually do if i feel like i said something wrong like I mean, I make mistakes as well. I'm not, I'm human. Part of my communities that I'm not part of, I don't, I don't know everything. It's just a learning process like anyone else. And if I realize I did something wrong, then I look it up and I apologize and I realize I messed up. I run a body positive um, book club here in Boston and I, we had a game night and I realized that one of our members uses a wheelchair and the place wasn't wheelchair accessible and I literally thought I was going to die. I felt so terrible because I, I was not thinking you have to be intentional about being inclusive i was not thinking about making sure this is accessible for everyone i just was like oh that sounds like fun i made assumptions about not just like taking for granted the fact that i could just walk into a building that has stairs and not thinking about the fact that other people cannot and i think just making sure you're thinking about things like that and thinking about mistakes that you make and trying to think about what it would be like to be anyone walking into this the space so when i was working in an indigenous space here in australia uh, they talk a lot about walking between two worlds. So it's about maintaining culture while also moving into a modern world and having that level of movement. Is that something that you see in America, that people are wanting to have more of that? So here we call that code switching, which is what people do, like not being, quote unquote, too black in like corporate office settings as to not make our coworkers uncomfortable. I guess is what you would call it. Or to try to like 
enmesh ourselves into it, not cause so many problems and not cause so many like social, which is sad, <laughs> which I kind of, as I got older, just was like not taking, I was not going to do it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not part of that. I don't care. <laughs> Came out at me. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I used to straighten my hair to go to job interviews. And then as I got older, I'm like, I'm not freaking doing that. They don't hire my hair like this. And that's the problem. That's not my problem, <laughs> which is funny because how much you're, your, the way that you think changes over the years, which I'm grateful for, but it's just kind of like trying to make it so that you can be yourself in any situation is kind of the goal, really. And I kind of hope that eventually these things will break down where people can just be themselves 100% all the time and not have to compartmentalize themselves into like, this is how I act around white people in my offices and this is how I act around my family and friends and stuff like that. And I feel like that I do exactly the same thing. So for years, I've been going gray since I was 14. It's a hereditary thing. And I have naturally very dark hair. It got to the point a couple of years ago, I was dyeing my hair every three weeks to get rid of my roots. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I got to a point where I just went, why? Like in so many different ways, I am preaching to be yourself in my business. I preach it and branding is all about it just in my personal life. Even See, I think that's cool. <laughs> I'd embrace more and more about just being myself without apologizing for it. Be that through my anxiety, be that through my emotions, be that through just being me, I wasn't going to apologize for it anymore, but yet I was still dying my hair every three weeks. We're talking about race a lot and we're, you know, we haven't really touched on religion, but I feel like there are so many stereotypes around what's expected from a woman. Yes, absolutely. Like ageism is a huge issue in like our culture, like Western culture is because like youth is so like put on a pedestal and people are obsessed, obsessed. And I have to catch myself like when I get stuck in that, like, oh, I'm getting old. Like, no, you're not old. And who cares if you are? Like <laughs> none of this stuff matters at all. You couldn't pay me to go back to my 20s. When I look back on my 20s, I realize how sad I was, how trapped I was, how driven I was by what other people thought. And I swear to gosh, as soon as I started breaking down some of those things and just little steps. So what kinds of little steps do you feel that people can start to take to step into being more inclusive, like within themselves. For themselves, I think reading some books is super helpful. It also helped me, like the beauty myth. Reading about, especially for women, reading about what beauty is and how it's all just something being sold to us, telling us that we're not enough, we're not thin enough, we're not young enough, we're not this enough, not that enough, and giving you, selling you some kind of potion or lotion to fix that. These are all things that, it's just all for marketing, it's all for making money. That's all it is. thousand percent, like, you know, I work from home and if I'm honest, I work a lot in my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> there are days where I don't brush my hair. There are days where on the weekends, my kids change into pajamas at the end of the day Same. because <laughs> they've already been in pajamas all day. When I do choose to do myself up or go out or do something, I've realized I'm doing it more for me than anyone else these days. And I feel like asking yourself that question who am I doing this for? It's super important because if it's not for you, then you don't need to do it. <laughs> if it's not for you, then why are you? They're not paying your bills. Like They're not feeding you. They're not clothing you. They're not taking care of you. So their opinion does not matter. And I feel like the thing is actually also giving value to our own opinions that 
by learning about these things, just the chances are you're going to go up against people that disagree. Mm-hmm. And yes. especially in that inclusion space, there's going to be people that refuse to educate themselves. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> in that sort of situation, especially as someone that actually, I mean, I'm not sure if you ever feel like you have to defend yourselves in these situations. What do you say to those people? Recently, the whole, everything happened with George Floyd and the protests and the beyond protests. And it, like being on social media has been, <laughs> people have been coming out the woodwork, just being horrible people. It's just amazing. And I always say something because I have to. <laughs> I don't know. People, I think it's up to you because, like, it's not my responsibility to do it, but I have a need deep in my soul to say something to this person because they're just making me upset and I have to say something. It just kills me. So then I say something and they kind of come back, but then realize, no, no, like, recently people have been like coming out in droves to support me or either they doing it first. So it's just like going after him, like a whole group of people, like a mob, which sounds terrible. But it's like nice to see that like people are on the right, most people are on the right side of it. Like there's always one person saying something ridiculous and everyone else is like, that's not okay. Like don't ever, like please leave. <laughs> and making it like not so hard to speak up because I don't always have the privilege as a black person as a black woman to say something to a white person who's getting ill. Because I am don't in their eyes, I don't have any knowledge that they want clearly because they're bigots. <laughs> and the fact that someone else white is saying that's not okay is helpful using their privilege to say something. What would you want from people that are in a position of privilege? What's the the one thing you would like to see them do yes. to break down some of those walls? Just always say something. If you see something wrong, say something about it. Say this is not okay and it's not going to be tolerated. Because I think sometimes people think if someone else looks like them, they must feel the same way. But that's not true. Like my wife is white and she's had times when coworkers have said something racist to her. And like, like, I'm black. (laughs) Like, and she's like, so then she doesn't like trust this person ever again because they're obviously racist. And she's like, they have no idea. And they make these assumptions that she's going to be okay with that. Like, no, she's not okay with that. You have to make sure they know I'm not okay with that. And I'm good. Like, this is not going to be tolerated. Actually, there was one instance I was wearing like this obnoxiously bright red dress like 10 years ago and someone was like, good for you. And I was like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? I was wearing a red dress. Like, what is that supposed to mean? Like, I didn't think anything of it, but she must have thought it was some kind of big statement. I'm just living my life. This is who I am every day. But she thought, I don't know if it's because I was fat, if I was black. I don't know what it was. But I was just living my life wearing a red dress that day. And to her, it seemed like some kind of revolutionary statement. I think that's not always or ever needed. Or like I could be in the gym and someone's like, good work. And I'm like, I come here more than you do. Like, that's fine. Like, like, I don't need you to tell me good job. Like, thanks. Head on the head. Way to make it really awkward for me. I love it. (laughs) Like, just stuff like that, like, you don't know. There's no need to ever say that to anyone. You can just say, like, I like your dress, period, in the gym. Don't talk to me. <laughs> just stuff like that. Like, I'm copiously sweating, therefore. Yes, I can barely breathe. I have headphones on. Don't talk to me. Like, think about if that was you, would you really want someone to say that to you? No. No, I want someone to go, damn, girl, you look fine and moving yes, along. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Good for you. <laughs> I'm not sure if you've ever seen, there was a program on TV and it was a room full of a mismatched bunch of people. And they asked people 
you know, to stand on this side if they're gay and stand on the side if they're not. And then they started finding these really weird cross sections between people. You know, they asked more intimate details or they might have asked more vague details like, you know, you don't like dairy or you're allergic to something or something like that. And it started to show that we actually have more in common than we realize. Yes, absolutely. These assumptions like, oh, they're other, someone else, we must have nothing in common. But like, that's literally impossible. That's the something that you have in common. And that's what I feel these movements are actually doing for people. They're bonding people together. People that may not have realized that they believe something so strongly by being presented with the opposite have suddenly gone, you know what? No, actually, this is something I stand for. Yes. Yeah. It's... It's sad that it takes getting to the points that society does sometimes, but you can sometimes see like these moments as being truly pivotal and fundamental change. Absolutely. For our audience, we're going to sign off now. If you could give them one piece of advice, how they can go out into the world and be more inclusive today, what would that piece of advice be? Treat people how you want to be treated. Don't be a jerk. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about our amazing contributors, don't forget to check out www.brandumagazine.com.au. Also, stay up to date on our socials and see all the new bits and pieces that are coming out over the coming months. And remember, be your business, brand you.